Equal opportunity. High snap. Thompson rescues it and rolls out to look down the field and make a playable pass inside the 25 to Vokalek. So at the tail end of the press conference, or Scott's of media availability, he was asked by an Irish reporter if he would consider stepping down. And Frost responded, no, I love Nebraska. I'm going to fight with the guys as long as I can fight. But he did say, is this the second question, Josh? We must have. Uh, did we miss one? Well, uh, the one about uh, in this business, uh, you've got to win to keep your job. That was a little bit earlier. That was in, I think, the middle of the press conference. Was that, was that off? Uh, was that? And we may not have caught that one. Was that off a question or was that unsolicited? I believe that that was a question, I think. Okay. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, back to the phones we go. Big Red Overreaction. There's Josh. I'm Gary. This is uh, Blake. Good afternoon, Blake. Hey, Blake. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. So I'm the one who wrote you guys an email uh, maybe a couple months ago, and I titled it Help. You guys remember the email where I was trying to defend uh, the, the state of the program mm-hmm. against a bunch of my friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm I'm struggling now. I, <laughs> I, uh, I never expected a repeat. My justification for the improvement was, hey, we got a new offensive coordinator, a bunch of new players, um, and here we are with the same results. So my question to you guys, and I'll hang up and let you chat about it, is why would we keep kicking the can down the road if this inevitable change, as it appears will happen, is going to happen? Um, I'm almost starting to think of the opinion that, hey, let's take the next two games, Let's be do something drastic. Let's bring somebody in. I know it's going to cost us what ten million dollars, but let's let's do something totally dramatic and get a, a new guy in here with some opportunity to create some momentum before Oklahoma. Uh, it feels like the the writing's on the wall for Scott, and I was probably the biggest supporter uh, for him, and it's it's sad to see. So I'll hang up and let you guys respond to that. Yeah, I'll take this one, Gary. So I wouldn't do it now. I mean, look, I, the, the monetary stuff aside, I, I hate that idea because you could have done it last year. And maybe that's a stupid reason not to fire him now, but you, you made your bed. You got to sleep in it, I would say, at least until October 1st. And maybe, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's wrong because a new person, new blood, new leadership could turn things around and maybe you have a great motivator because we see that all the time, don't we, Gary? A team gets a new coach. They have a, a game against a, 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 an opponent that is better than them, and they pull off the upset, and they kind of ride that momentum. I I wouldn't do it, though. I I would not do that. I don't think that that's the right decision for this moment in time because, again, I would say you should have done it last year. That's a panic move if you're going to fire a guy now. It's a panic move. And remember, I've said this season is easy for Tripp because results start to reveal themselves, is it looks like a panic move. Uh, Or what you just said leading up to this game, that you like some of the things that you're seeing, that in one game that completely changed, that you get rid of a guy, which I don't think I don't think Trev will get rid of Scott during the course of the season. No, unless unless it goes south in Nebraska, uh, one one score games turn into four score losses. Yeah, I mean uh, we're talking about like one in five like type stuff. Yes, that's what Matthew tweets in on uh, at BR overreaction. Frost should be fired when he steps off the plane in front of everyone watching them from the terminal. Otherwise, no one will go to the games this season. See, in, in a way, Gary, the last sentence is kind of why again I'm like, don't do it now. This this decision is already going to be divisive enough, no matter when it happens. But you are you are lighting stuff on fire if you do it now, and I just it's not healthy for the program. And maybe that shouldn't matter, 
but it does. And it definitely matters for Trev, and it certainly matters for the leadership. So, And does Trev Albert strike you as a guy that's going to listen to everybody saying this is what you should do? When has he done that during his... Yeah, exactly. During his entire athletic administrative career. Yeah. He's sitting there. Again, the job is very easy for him. The only way, and this is just my opinion, that he relieves Scott Frost of his head coaching duties before the season has ended is if there is something that is non-football related that he is not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. That Nebraska football cannot move forward with somebody who he is not comfortable with leading his football program. Wins and losses aside. Yeah. Now... You make up your decision, but again, it's easy. You watch things play out. The results will reveal what a decision is. It's very easy for for Trev Alberts, and we'll see if. And he may think this year is going to go south, and I'm going to watch. Well, how 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 closely will he be watching this week? Yeah, yeah. Jason says Trev will give Scott the rope to hang himself. Look, like the, that's why I, that's why I keep saying yeah. Trev's job is really easy. It, it may it's a dark, obviously not the rope part, but the, it, it's a dark idea. But it's like look. He he has it in front of him. You you Scott, you control this. You do well, you're coming back. You don't do well, and you're getting fired. That nobody wants gray area. Nobody wants gray area. And and a, a comment on YouTube. It's already on fire. What's the point? Again, if you do that now, it's a panic move. You should have done it last year. Maybe Trev has never believed in him. Maybe he doesn't believe in him today. Maybe he was hamstrung last year, and I think he was. But you got to let this play out at least a little bit longer. A little bit longer. I think until at least October first. I, yeah, I, I, I will, I will, I will say keep him. You got to keep him at this moment in time. All right, here is Joe in Phoenix. Hi, Joe. It's been a while. Well, good, good afternoon, Word of God and Mister Two and Twenty Six. How are we doing? Today, <laughs> Hi, Joe. How about that record? Well, I, I was the one that I came up you. with this idea for this godforsaken show. Ha! You know, and the thing was is that uh, when I turned it on and you said that, <laughs> I laughed hysterically for probably about. Two minutes after that. Yeah, so does my liver after every one of these shows. First of all, I, I would like to say this. Um, by now, if you haven't heard me on Twitter or if you haven't heard me on one of the very fine shows that 1620 The Zone has to offer, I am now probably the most anti-Scott Frost guy there is. And, uh, I, I mean, at this point um, – all joking aside, Gary, you, you couldn't be more spot on. This is this is going to take care of itself. Do I think it already has? Absolutely. Uh, do I agree with Josh a million times over? I mean, they should have fired him last year. I mean, you can make all these changes that you want to the to the offensive coordinator, to the running back coach, to the offensive line coach, which I do believe, and I believe what John and Josh had said, and, and I, I haven't heard of you guys much on the morning, Gary, because you're just up so damn early. Um, Radio replays. That, yeah, I mean, it's, you guys start at 4 a.m. here, so I mean, yeah. forget that. Understandable. But, anyway, um, but uh, you know, I thought they brought in Riola for the for the sheer hope that they might get uh, Dominic or whatever his name was. Uh, Dylan. And then, of course, uh, Dylan, thank you. And then, of course, you know, Bill Bush. Well, that was two years too late. Um and I mean, this narrative that they were close, when you bring in 16 transfer guys from the portal and you're starting eight of them, you're not close. And I mean, you can make all these changes, but, but the results and, and, the, and, and what we've seen all indicate the same thing. Unless you change what's at top, you know, it's not going to matter. And I've been saying this now for the last month, jokingly, that, you know, Nebraska football 2022 – the season should be titled a time to die. And, and I mean, this is a lost season. And I thought this from 
the minute they kept him last year, that this season was simply going to be a wasted year. Because even if he goes seven and five, you figure that most of those guys that would brought that 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 energy and that they're going to be gone next year anyway. So then you're starting all over again. And you know, can could he could he sustain it? You know, after this year, if, if they you know pull lightning out of, you know you know lightning out of a bottle, and I don't think they could. You know, so now my question is, and I'll be the first to say it out loud, how much do you think it's going to cost for us to get Dave Miranda out of Baylor? <laughs> I mean, let's start the conversation now because, I mean, we all know what's going to happen here. They're going to win next week, possibly. Who knows? But they should win the next two games. Oklahoma's going to come in. Even if they figure out a way to beat Oklahoma, which I don't think they will because I just think Oklahoma's too talented mm-hmm. and they got coaches that know what they're doing. I mean – that that discussion, and I and I know that you know as a radio show like you guys all have, you don't want to start talking about new head coaches in week two. But I or mean, week geez, zero. The, the writing's on the wall. I mean, it's this is over. I mean, we're looking at possibly. I, I think, and I asked this on Twitter. Can we start a pool through the radio station and fans that want to do this? How close Frost can get to forty losses before they fire him? I mean, right. if he goes one and eleven, he gets to 40. 20 and forty. I mean, it's it's there it's there for the taking. I mean, it's I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I, and I joke because I'm so tired of this, and it, it it hurts me. I'm a lot like Jack Mitchell. I used to be like that, you know, when they were, you know, when we were good. And as as these last 22 years have gone, it is literally just taking it out of me. And I'm and I'm I can't even imagine being a season ticket holder and having to go to these games next week or yeah. for the rest of the year, knowing Preach. what might be coming down the pike. Joe, thanks for the uh, call. Um, so this is the part of the guys that are in the locker room that don't get, you know, don't wear headsets during games. If you're going to hear chatter that the season is over and now let the inevitable happen and you'll just fix it for next year. If I'm a guy that's in that locker room, I'm calling BS to your face. And it's on you because you played one football game and the vibe that you had and the validation – was nowhere to be found, and you can take, you know, it's a team loss. But I, I'm i a player. We're going to find out pretty quickly about that locker room. I, I know people rolled their eyes when Frost said culture because you don't want to hear it. Guilty. But, but this, is, this is the part of now the next step is what are guys on that team going to do? Because if I'm like a Caleb Tanner and I came back, I'm not letting one game ruin my game. It can't. Year. It can't, so, Gary. So, so and and here's here's the you know this is a program that when they get squeezed their true identity comes out whether you're a player or a coach okay close games five and twenty one I mean the fact that year five you can rattle off all these kind of records fifteen and thirty five and twenty one on and on and on that are not good numbers on the right side so they're gonna fly back here and they don't get to I mean they don't get to spend time in Dublin they got to get back on a plane. Exactly. They got to get out of Dublin and they will land early in the morning here in Omaha. Then they will bus back. Mm-hmm. Guys will go to school for the first time in the second week of school. They also will play a football game, okay? Mm-hmm. They also will have some jet lag. Yeah. They will also, you know, there will be a hiccup for them coming back. Next week, the following week and leading up to a game where it's going to be a profile game because you got Fox's pregame show in the house. And right now you're a laughing stock of college football. Mm-hmm. You're going to need players. They're going to have to look in the mirror and say, "This stops right now." You're it's this isn't 
The next three weeks are not about Frost, Whipple, Chenander, Riola. The next three weeks are about guys that wear a helmet and play football at Nebraska, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. And you almost look at the, the end of that, that three-game swing, because that's the last one before uh, an off week, before the, the Indiana game, which is the buyout game you know, where it decreases. And yeah, you, you, you make a f- tremendous point. If any of those players feel that way, I, I know that I was frustrated by a caller earlier who was like, hey, at least it wasn't a blowout. That's how the blowouts start. The blowouts really start for programs and players that know that their coach is gone. That you know, like We can all be frustrated with how things have gone, and we can all be frustrated with this position coach or that position coach or even the head coach in general. But players believe in these guys enough to go to a university, and their families believe in them enough to go to a university. I can't imagine what it's like to have all of that just cut out from underneath you. 2007, everybody knew the writing was on the wall. 2017, everybody knew the writing was on the wall. Those seasons completely fell apart. And so if the players think that that's actually going to be the case, that's when you start really worrying about the margin of victory in some of these games. Let the coaching staff deal with the fact they got outsmarted today. you got to figure out why you got outmuscled. That's a player player chore. And, And I thought we retired the word close. I know, man. Me too. Okay, so... Northwestern wasn't close last year, and they had a similar season to Nebraska. Yeah. What did they do in the offseason that Nebraska didn't do? Because Maybe. Northwestern's football program is better than your football program mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, a text real fast from the 402 uh, says, Alberts did what he had to do. He kept Frost because he had to. He didn't have enough time after he got hired to find a good replacement. Alberts used it to lower the buyout and pretend he thought it could work, but it was all intended to buy Alberts time to find his next coach and reduce the buyout. Alberts never thought Frost was going to have a great year. He, uh, I said this back when it happened. Trev looked at Scott and said, no one is worth $20 million fire, firing. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you've made your bed. We're going we're gonna to let you continue, and let's find a way, but we're also going to protect us. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we're going to see if this works. Remember, I'm going to say publicly, but boy, the metrics tell me this isn't going to work. But we're going to find a way to work, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make you good. But we're really going to take care of ourselves, and then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch all this how it unfolds. Yeah, and it's not just wins and losses, Scott. It is the entire relationships inside of the program between you and your staff, you and your players, and how the growth or what the feel is for this program, and then we'll move forward. I mean, uh, I mean, they're going to are they going to sit next to each other on the plane coming home? I mean, there's really nothing Trev can do. See, I think Trev's got an easy job. I continue to say this. He can just sit there and watch. Yeah, and you can be mad all you want, and and I understand it about like the PR game and what you know if pissing off fans and how much that should matter, how much it shouldn't matter. I get it, but it does matter, and it matters with this head coach in particular more than any head coach before him, more than any head coach because he still has people, powerful people in his corner. It shouldn't matter, maybe, but it does. And so if you at least understand that, you can be mad about it, but you understand it. I think it makes this process a lot easier for you because then, yeah, just let the season unfold. And if a decision has to be made, when the decision has to be made, they'll make that decision. Well, and there's the other element of a game like this where you lose is how many pointing of fingers do you have? Whether it yeah. be adults or kids in the room, how many people are pointing fingers? Because I'm, I'm guessing inside of that locker room there are some guys that are pointing fingers today. That's not a good thing after week zero. Yeah, now... You you want you want a test case? This next week in Nebraska football will be the ultimate test case to see how all of this comes together. Well, I think you'll probably like this quote then from Buford. 
he was talking. This is a uh, tweet from Mitch Sherman about 20 minutes ago. Just saw it now. I can't wait to see where we go from here. We played the worst game we're going to play all year, and we still only lost by three. That's pretty scary. You Look, you can say, ha, I don't agree with you, but that is the mindset you need to have in this moment. You do have to have the mindset of, like, we played horrible and we only lost by three. You have to believe that. You have to believe that way, as wrong as it might be to us. Uh, here is, uh, let's get Sam. Hello, Sam. Welcome to uh, Big Red Overreaction. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, Sam. Hey, I was, uh, I know you've been talking about coaching changes and things, but I was thinking about back to the game. I didn't hear anyone mention about, I thought uh, at the end of the first half, there was some poor uh, coaching choices. Calling those two timeouts on defense, where we could have run the clock out, but we kind of helped Northwestern have uh, extra time mm-hmm. for that touchdown. And I thought, you know, there's seven points. That would have been the difference in the game. So your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a, a, a there's that those are those are timeouts that they were called during the summer and whatever happened here in August with conditioning. You called timeouts to save your defense from, I mean, yeah, and I mean, just gasping it. I, I also don't think that they thought they were going to go for it on fourth and one from their own, you know, territory. Was that Sam? I thought that they were trying to save time for the offense. Yeah, and then like I don't think they thought that Northwestern was going to go for it on fourth and one. Like I think you got to you got to call those timeouts because you want the ball back. You want the ball back. You want to go down and score. I'm not going to be critical of those timeouts. Well, I thought run the clock out and go ahead. You know, seventeen. What what was it? Seventeen to. It would have been fourteen to ten. But I thought you know don't give them don't give them extra time. So that's just my uh, my coaching theory on that. All right, I mean, well, uh, Sam, and I'll, for the call. again, I'll disagree. So they call the timeout. I don't know. Okay, they called their second timeout with looks like two oh four left in the uh, in the half, and then that led to third down. They 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 held them to three yards. They called a timeout with one fifty three left. You got to call those timeouts. You want the ball back. You want to want the ball back. You want to try to go down the the field and score. You, uh, we're not going to be critical of those timeouts. No. Uh, one more before break. Here is uh, Jarrett in uh, Georgia. Hello, Jarrett. Hey, how are y'all doing? Good. I'm a listener, first time calling in. I've, I guess I've sat on my tongue too long now. I felt like I needed a voice a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. Well, I'm going to build off what the guy said two calls ago. Kind of frustrating over the last 22 years. And let me kind of shock everyone what I'm about to say. I would take a good high school football coach that ran the option in the future ahead of Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Bill Belichick. And let me build on that. And I'm going to use the words of Tom Osborne. Because where we're located in a cold weather, low populated state, we will never recruit the blue blood that the warm weather big schools get year in and year out when we're doing the same thing they do. Tommy Frazier is quoted as saying, the only reason I didn't at Nebraska was because no one in the Southeast would let me play quarterback. I just truly believe, as Tom said, not my word, we need to be unique, become hard to prepare for, to get back to the top. And it's been 22 years we've tried everything but Canadian League rules on offense. Yeah, we've had some decent offenses. I always seem to crack when the pressure was on. I just wonder, has blocking schemes changed? Can you not take – Lord, today was a sign. We ran the option one time. Eight yards went for a face mask. We had more. And I'm not saying you change back that. We win a national championship next year. But 
has been a little signs. Last year when Scott ran it, 90, and I went and watched back and watched these games, 90% of the drive we ran options, we scored touchdowns on, it disappeared from the next quarter and a half. Like against Iowa, for example. It's just, it's just I, I truly believe, because of where we're located, remember Scott had more talent in Orlando within 200 miles of him than we'll have in the entire state of Nebraska in the next five years. And Osborne said it years ago, we tend to grow the big guys, but we typically got to go out of state for the skill set. And I still believe that can work today. People say the defenses, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you may recall the write-up in Sports Illustrated about 1983, right after we had lost uh, at Iowa State. The red is dead. Today's off-speed on defense, et cetera, et cetera, the antiquated offense like an option attack, which we were never a pure option. We were a power running team with Dr. built in, but said it wouldn't work. And what happened after that when you got the right horses? So, therefore, I don't know, maybe back then we had the entire state promoting it through the high schools coming all the way up, but I'm just a firm believer for us to ever become relevant again, we're going to have to become unique, hard to prepare for, because we just cannot battle the big school for the same stuff. Now, if Warren Buffett were to decide to give us an unlimited check uh, due to NIL, maybe we could then, <laughs> but I just don't see. And and, it, and listen, I've made this comment so many times. I would love to be proven wrong, but so far it just hadn't happened. So I don't know if y'all ever had any thoughts on that. I, I hear this stuff at different coaches. I'm like, Dog, I mean, Nick Saban didn't win it at Michigan State. He won it when he got to states that had a ton of talent. So, again, I just believe you know, low-populated co-weather state, we will always have trouble recruiting against the Ohio State, Georgia's, trying to get that same stud that everybody wants. And let's take the one that was pretty decent, Jake Fromm, that played at Georgia a few years ago. Why would he ever go to Nebraska, skip over so many more? Jared, come on, man. Like, the problem is not that they don't have five stars. Like, I, Jared, I appreciate he the He seems like a Thank nice you. guy. He was a very nice man. But that's not the issue. We are not – they didn't just lose to Alabama, Gary. They didn't just lose to Georgia. This wasn't Michigan in the national in the playoff last year. They lost to Northwestern, a team they beat by 49 points last year, and they lost by three. It's a 52-point swing. Like, come on. Eventually, I would love to be able to say, like, hey, how does Nebraska win national titles again? We got to talk about how do they get above 500 again, and that's better coaching, period. End of story. They have good enough players to win six games. We'd all love to have a Tommy Frazier. Oh, my gosh. But you know what the identity of that team was? There were five guys up front. Nebraska offensive line recruitment development is a major problem. Yeah. It's, it's, They're loaded with it, good players in theory. People, people, people outside of here, we will talk in the offseason. They'll go, when do you, like, what, what will you know when Nebraska is back? Is it a big victory? And I will immediately say, no when they have started to develop all-conference linemen that are multi-year starters and they get into a rotation of they just churn guys out and instead of guys having better pro careers than they have college careers, their really good college career matches their NFL career or their college career trumps their NFL career. But they will be back. Nebraska will be back. And this will be the sign is when they are competent at the offensive line with five across and another five that are standing behind them. That when in the heydays of the 90s, yes, there were some incredible skill players. And there was a guy that was beating people with an arm tied behind his back as a coach and a play caller. But he couldn't have done all of that if it wasn't for the offensive line up front. They would have had, they would not, they would be 
They would probably still be successful, but not the way they were. Yeah, and that's why the decision to bring in Rayola is so baffling. Guys learning on the job in the most important season of Scott Frost's coaching career. Well, sometimes also, you, you don't have talent. I mean, it's a, it's a couple of things today reared your, reared your ugly head. Struggles with offensive line recruiting. Developing guys. Guys not making the next step on their own. I mean, that that's we knew that going in. And so I asked this question about the offensive line. Did the offensive line for everybody play like you thought they were going to play? <laughs> because nobody said, oh, man, I love this offensive line. What was everybody's concern? Offensive line. Was offensive line. So Running the football. in hindsight, did, did Nebraska's offensive line, basically they just they did what you thought they were going to do today. And then you shift over to the other side of the ball, and yeah, you were worried about the interior of the defensive line stop and run. Then you take another step on the defense, and you go, well, I didn't expect that to happen, and now we've got a discussion going here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll take a quick break. This uh, Big Red Overreaction brought to you by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. Brought to you by Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. Brought to you by Burton. When your plumbing's hurting, just call Burton. There's Josh. I'm Gary. We're back with uh, Kurt, Brian, Dennis, Jeff, and a whole host of others on Big Red Overreaction. After Nebraska loses another Week 0 game, uh, they start the year 0-1, 0-1 in their own division. 0-1 uh, now for the fifth time or fourth time in five years, right? South Alabama, the only season-opening win. They should have skipped the first week moving Maybe forward. they should, or at least week zero. All right, 31-28, Northwestern uh, rallies to beat Nebraska. Nebraska twice led by 11 points in the first half and the second half. Uh, they will open up on Saturday against North Dakota in week number one of college football. So with the eyes of America watching today, Nebraska couldn't get out of their own way.